0: Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And this uh, podcast is sponsored by FHE Health. FHE Health has been providing life-changing behavioral health services for more than 20 years. They treat substance abuse and mental health disorders in an individualized and comprehensive approach. Recognizing the specialized treatment needs of the first responder community, they've created Shatterproof, a dedicated program for law enforcement, fire rescue, and similar communities to receive treatment among peers. They're experienced in providing privacy, and working with unions for employment. FHE Health is committed to providing the best care experience for our patients and for their families and for our community. So learn more at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. Now today, what I want to talk about is service in meetings and service while you are in recovery. Um, I found that in my personal experience that service And being involved in the program of recovery, I mean, other than your own personal recovery, was one of the best things that I ever did and helped me immensely in staying sober myself. And I want to talk about that a little bit because you'll hear this at a lot of meetings, but I just cannot emphasize this enough. Now, what is important to understand that first and foremost, that once you get into recovery, one of the best things that you can do for yourself is just to be completely involved in the program. And by completely involved in the program, I mean really make it a part of your life. Because after all, uh, drinking and drugging, for those of you that uh, took drugs or drugs are part of your story, you know that really that became your life. That every waking moment was either recovering from the effects of drugs or alcohol, or you were thinking about drugs and alcohol, trying to get drugs or alcohol, or actually using. And that was an immense amount of time that you were spending dedicated to this one thing. And I've always found it curious that people that are leery about getting into a recovery program are... Saying to themselves, you know, I don't, I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up myself totally to this organization because it kind of appears cult-like. And you hear that a lot with uh, AA meetings, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. You know, it's like, you know, you guys are kind of like a cult. I mean, you guys kind of go to all these meetings. You talk about God. You're talking about the steps. You know, people are just obsessed with it. And people talk about this like it's some sort of strange act or something that is just. You know, horrible thing to do. But really, when you think about it, if you are completely honest with yourself, that's exactly what you were doing in your own drinking, if, if we're talking about alcohol here. When you think about the amount of time that you spent engaged in the activity, thinking about it, recovering from it, you were kind of worshipping at a cult, if you think about it. You were worshipping the bottle. You were worshipping whatever this thing was that was controlling your life, but yet <clears throat> you'll turn around And say that I don't want an organization like AA or Smart Recovery or Celebrate Recovery or any of the other groups that are around for recovery, you don't want to completely devote yourself to that because it seems quote unquote uh, cult-like. So I've always found that sort of amusing. And I'm not laughing because I know I was the, the same way. and. Uh, many of you know that I, I do work at a treatment center here in, in the area in which I live. And that's that's one of the things What's well, one of the most common things I hear from patients in the treatment center is boy, that program really sounds cult-like. And the only thing I can say in response to that is I I just don't think these people have developed the ability to sort of get step out of themselves and look objectively at their own life and realize, well, that's kind of what you were doing yourself prior to coming into recovery. Now, that's an awful lot of time that you're spending either looking for, recovering from, or engaging in the substance of your choice. You spend an enormous amount of time doing that. If you really think about it, if you're going to one meeting per day, an hour, or maybe talking to your sponsor for a half hour, you're, you're looking at an hour and a half, no more than two hours per day. And you and I both know that if you're actively using right now where if you formerly used, you were spending a lot more time than that engaged in your substance abuse. So you're really not losing any time. I mean, in reality, you're gaining time because you're not you're not using as much as you used to. So what it comes down to is just this willingness to just listen and willingness to think of life a different way. And we have a saying, and that is uh, condemnation prior to thorough investigation. I want to run that by you again. Condemnation prior to thorough investigation, meaning you have judged something without ever actually participating in it. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, you know, Mike, uh, I actually tried AA or I tried smart recovery. I tried Celebrate Recovery and it didn't work. And what I would say to you is, no, if you had actually tried the steps and done the steps and actually done the work that was required, then you wouldn't still be using. You have to remember that just attending a meeting does not mean that you're working the program. Not at all. Um, you you must participate. You must do the work, and the work requires complete and total self reflection. And if you engage in that, then you'll find that you're not going to be using. You know this. This program is a lot of work, and that hour that you're in a meeting is not the work. The work is done outside the meeting, and that's something that's very, very important for you to remember. That if you are not, uh, if you don't have a sponsor, and you're not working those steps, and you're not uh, engaging and talking and writing about what it is that. Uh, that is required in the steps, then you're not actually working the program. I will tell you that everybody that works the program gets sober if they truly work it. So, uh, you know, I have people tell me that they've attended 150 50 meetings and they haven't gotten well and they're on their third, uh, you know, stint in rehab and, and this just isn't working. What I would say is it's more likely that you have not surrendered yourself, you have not committed yourself to the program, and you are not willing to listen the way that only the dying can listen. And I just implore you to do that. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what your position is. I don't care how much money you make per year. If you want to get sober, you are going to have to listen to others and listen to those that have done it before you and do what they did. There are millions of people that have come before you that have gotten sober and they were very effective in it. And you can have the same thing they had if you have the willingness to just follow a few simple steps and are willing to listen to the way the dying listen. Somebody that has no other alternative. And you know, if you had terminal cancer and they told you that the only thing that is left for you to try is some uh, treatment that has never been tested and it's experimental, you'd probably take it and you wouldn't even question that. However... For some reason, when it comes to recovery, we are very, very reluctant to listen to people and we won't do anything experimental. And Quite frankly, when you talk about the 12 steps, they're not experimental. They are actually very, very effective. That's why if you go to a detox center, you go to a medical center, center, they're going to recommend doing the 12 steps. If you are arrested for DUI, the court may mandate you to do the 12 steps. And they do all these things because they know it's effective. So putting your ego aside, having willingness, and being willing to listen are all the catchphrases, and those are the keys to success if you want to be successful. Okay, once again, I'm going to talk about our sponsor here, and this episode is sponsored by FHE Health, a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. So take the first steps to a better life today by visiting fhehealth.com. Now, when you have all of this free time available to you, in recovery, assuming that you get some days behind you where you are sober, the question is always, well, then what do you do with all of that free time that you now have? Well, particularly early on, I would say what you need to do is get involved in the meetings. And what do I mean by being involved? Well, you can be the person that makes the coffee now that after COVID, things are starting to open up now and meetings are starting to get back together. You can be the person that greets people at the door. You can be the person that... Uh, makes coffee, brings in sweets. If you go to a meeting where they have uh, donuts or they have cookies or carrots, whatever whatever you want to bring, you can be the person that brings in literature, buys new books, buys new, new materials and pamphlets for the new people. You can be the one that hands out chips You can chair the meeting. You can be someone that looks for speakers if you are attending a speaker's meeting. You can come up with topics if it's a topical meeting. Whatever the case may be, you can do that. Somebody has to make the meetings work. And what I would recommend to you, if you are somebody that is new to recovery, that you become that person. You become that person that is heavily, heavily involved in the meeting because somebody has to do it. And what I like about that is you then become the person that other people count on. And I know that in early recovery for me, that was something that I found helped quite a bit when I found that other people depended on me to make the meeting happen, when other people depended on me to have the doors open, to have the coffee made. Uh, After all, um, if you want to get a bunch of uh, recovering alcoholics upset don't have the coffee made when people show up and you'll find out how upset people can get. That's a very important job, probably one of the more important jobs in a recovery meeting. Now, I found that for me, psychologically, what happened was I didn't want to let people down. And if I was the person that others were looking to, to, where they counted on me to make the meeting happen or make certain things happen, I did not want to let them down. And that helped me. Because I didn't want to be the person that they met and they could smell alcohol on my breath or they'd heard that I'd relapsed, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. I didn't want to be that person. So I made sure that I did everything I could to stay sober because I just didn't want to be that person. And maybe that'll work for you too. Maybe that's how you're wired. I mean, I know that we're all wired differently, but for me, it was just important to be the person that others could depend upon. And I think that that's part of it. You know, I think that just being part of the fellowship, being part of um, the being, just being part of the group, and knowing that the group can count on you, and you can count on them, and we hold each other accountable—that's a big. That's a big part of it. And that way, when you have those urges to drink or drug, and you're thinking about it, and you're starting to work through that process, or start working closer towards a relapse. The fact that you have developed those relationships, you have worked with people and they you count on them and they count on you, then it's going to make it more likely that you will pick up that phone and talk to somebody or go to them in person and talk to them before you have that relapse. So that's something that I would recommend that you do, I know. In early recovery, for me, I did two things. First, um, I got back into physical fitness. I did another podcast on this earlier in the year, where I I started teaching spin classes, and I intentionally started teaching spin classes very early in the morning. And the reason for that was for the reasons that I had stated here, and that was I knew that people would count on me to be very very. Um, you know, dependable, and that I would have to get up very early in the morning. And in order to do that, certainly I couldn't drink and get up at four thirty in the morning to go and teach a spin class. And I'm not necessarily recommending that you do that. It may not be for everybody, but it worked for me. That was another area where others could count on me to do um, things and show up and help them. And this is all part of the idea that we exist to help other people. And that's what I did. I worked really hard in helping others get. Well, um, you know, consequently, I was also getting myself well, I was getting myself healthy, and taking care of my body, which was great, because we, you know, we alcoholics and drug addicts spend a lot of time tearing our bodies apart. So this was a way that I or times that I spent to get my body back into condition. And so it was a twofer for me. It was was getting my body back into condition, and it was also a way where I could demonstrate the ability to have other people count on me. So that was one thing that I did. The other thing that I did was I actually founded an AA meeting at the church that my wife and I attend. Um, It turned out that they were looking for um, ways to support the recovery community. That was one thing that they realized that they were not doing at the church, and they really wanted to. And so uh, initially they came to me and they wanted to start a meeting for the church. And of course I explained to them that I was somebody that attended AA. I talked to about the history of AA and how it worked and the fact that there was no leaders and nobody controls the meeting. And they, they, other than providing the room, they could have no influence on the meeting whatsoever. So after a period of time, they agreed to do that and they gave us the space for a meeting to uh, meet in. And we went ahead and we did that. And that set me on the journey of trying to recruit people to come to the meeting, advertising for the meeting, equipping the meeting, getting the books, getting the literature, getting the coffee, naming the group, finding the time uh, during the week, the day during the week, you know, all the different logistics that go into Creating and maintaining a meeting, uh, I did. And that was a way that another way for me to just be involved, to be of service. And it kept me occupied and it kept me focused on AA. The more you're involved in your 12 step program, the more ownership, more buy in you're going to have into it. And consequently, the more involved you're going to be and the more you're going to want to stay in the program and really work on your own sobriety. And I think that that is very very important. And folks, all I can say is that it helped me, it may help you. Just something to think about. It's just something that I want you just, you know, really take the time if you're listening to this podcast and you need to be in recovery and you're struggling, think about service. Think about getting involved, thinking about being the person that others can count on and being the example to other people, and that might be just the trick that works for you in helping you on your sobriety journey. So, guys, I hope this message was helpful to you, and it was just something that I learned along the way, and... You know, just take what you can from this. If uh, none of this applies to you, then just discard it. But if you can take something from it and it's help- helpful for you and for others, then certainly do that. So once again, this episode has been sponsored by FHE Health. According to SAMHSA, first responders are 30% more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like PTSD. FHE Health specializes in getting first responders better and and cleared for duty so find out more at fhehealth.com and as always I don't represent any group I know I'm talking about AA and NA and, and a lot of Celebrate recovery, Recovery and Smart Recovery I don't represent them and I don't represent anyone other than myself I'm just giving you examples so if I've said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with just discard it but try to take any information that you can use to help yourself or others because that's what we do in recovery so with that please visit our Facebook page which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing about, because I'd love to hear from you. And guys, take care, and we will see you next time.